0: Hey, this is Rob, and welcome to question number 62. How do I balance conviction and curiosity? It's my conversation with Terry Esau. He is a novelist, a writer, a composer. Now, here's the deal. Sarah, this, I don't know if you do know this. I don't know if I've told you. I've been sitting on this conversation, this episode, for a while, because I've been too nervous to put it out. Hmm, okay. It's a good one. But I feel like if this is your first time listening, you should stop and listen to a different one first. Mm.
1: Come back, but don't listen to this one first. Yeah. Where do
0: you live? In the city. Do you have a house? Apartment. On no a rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. <laughs> Why are <do> you 38! Wear- <laughs>
1: A quiz hot shot, expect
0: For those of you joining us for the first time, my name's is. Stop! Turn around. <laughs> stop! For those of you joining us for the first time, stop! Don't, even, don't start listening. No, if you, uh, you were. just
1: repeated the bit that I did.
0: Yeah, I, I was jumping in. I thought we were gonna. You, you were know just You know, it. we're yes-anding each other right now. No,
1: you. You said yes, and
0: then me too. <laughs> Me too, same, same. (laughs) For those of you joining us for the first time, my name is Rob Morgan, and for the past decade, I've been traveling the world as a bassist and music director. This is my podcast, where I sit down over drinks on location with intriguing people I've met to try and get past what it is they do to find out who they are, why they do it, and what I can learn from them. I'm joined, as always, by my wife, Sarah. Can I interest you in a Guinness? Please do. (laughs) <laughs> got it i got it as we wait for a second and let our guinness cook i don't know if i've mentioned this by the way you and i are officially certified by guinness oh gosh to pour a perfect pint of guinness it's been a while since i've actually poured it on tap. By the way, side notes, i have got some exciting news coming up in the weeks to come. You can join me at a pub and learn to pour a perfect pint of Guinness. I'm really excited about it. Before we dive into this episode, I do need to say, happy birthday, Sarah.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: Yesterday was Sarah's 30th birthday. How are you feeling right now? I feel good. I feel 30. If you've been falling along with it, if it the feels podcast, like 29, then 30 feels like 29, then I definitely feel 30. <laughs> Uh, if you've been following along with the podcast, you know that last week I asked anybody that wants to call in the podcast hotline. The number is always in the show notes below and sing Sarah a birthday song for her birthday. And we would play our favorite one on here. I, I thi- believe that was
1: actually my suggestion.
0: Was it your suggestion that yeah. someone sings your birthday song? Mm-hmm. Okay, either way, it happened. <laughs> Let's go to the hotline. Welcome back to the best of Dr. Marcia Fieldstone, clinical psychologist and the friend you never had. Sleepless in Seattle.
1: Well, I'm I'm going to get out of bed every morning. Breathe in and out all all day long. Then after a while, I won't have to remind myself to get out of bed in, in the morning and breathe in and out. Hello. Hello?
0: Who's there? I'm talking. Hello. Who is this?
1: You know what this is. This is Jason Bourne.
0: Ghostbusters, what do you want?
1: Is this a fake hang-up? It's a fake hang-up.
0: I have a little spider. His name is Harry Rob. He has an older brother who's known as Gary Rob. We know that it's your birthday, and so we have to send a little spider egg so you'll have another friend. This friend will be a spider who will sneak up behind you, and when you turn around, he'll say, Happy birthday! Say to you happy birthday Sarah from Kira down in Dallas probably the weirdest song that will be sung to you on your birthday happy birthday that's the best song ever and I need to know its origin <laughs> I love it uh, Kira thank you so much you win this week's uh, birthday oh my gosh oh, I think I almost threw up but if you can hear that that is uh, our doorbell uh, hold on press pause on this it's real no it's not it's an Amazon package for Sarah you can see what it is it always says my name. Uh quick pause in the podcast recording to open up a package from Amazon kira thank you for being this week's winner text the podcast hotline your name and your address and we will be sending out some guinness swag your direction this week before we move on if you would like to help with the podcast in any way you possibly can we would massively i would massively appreciate if you would take a quick second head over to itunes rate comment and subscribe five stars only and when you do we are randomly picking people uh as winners for this podcast. We've given away pint glasses. We've given away actual beer, I think. (laughs) I I don't know, (laughs) to some some people that are uh, local in Minneapolis. So rate, comment, subscribe, that helps us out in a massive way. Okay, I've never met Terry before, but before this conversation, but I was introduced to him because his, a couple of his posts started popping up on my Facebook. Uh, timeline because we have a ton of friends in common here in the Twin Cities in the music scene. And the posts he was posting on Facebook were promoting his new book that he put out called Jesus, a novel, and it's spelled J-E-2 U S. For a lot of people it's really controversial. He promoted the book by making these memes, uh these old pictures of Jesus holding a gun and saying, oh, was gosh. Jesus was Jesus actually a gun a gun-toting pacifist? Or was Jesus really, was Jesus an American? Like questioning all these ideals we have nowadays right. in culture. I'm not going to fully dive into it because we talk about it in this conversation. But it was fascinating to me. So I reached out to him and said, hey, I'd love to get together with you. Uh, I would love to hear about your career. You started off as a jingle writer in the industry. Oh, right. Crazy successful. What does it look like to be a jingle writer in the mm-hmm. first place? Yeah. How did you get into that? What can I learn from you about my own career path and how did your career change from being a musician, jingle writer to being a writer years ago? He mm-hmm. had a complete transition and I was fascinated by it. So we sat down in the middle of the conversation. He would ask me my story and for actually there in the reason I'm actually joking about if this is your first time listening, don't listen to this one first because this is, if you have no context about me and what's going, been going on in my life for the past mm, right. few months, maybe I don't need to do a disclaimer. But he is—he has so many fascinating stories that we dive into. He has a nonprofit organization called Free Bikes for Kids. Uh, the link to that organization and all—actually, all the things we talk in this conversation—the links are in the show notes below if you want to check it out. Uh, but we also dove into. Sarah, have you ever heard this? There's like a there's kind of an old wives' tale that floats around some of the church scenes. Okay. This is a story that goes around that there was a pastor somewhere in Texas that was doing a baptismal service and in the middle of the service grabbed a microphone and got electrocuted in front of his congregation and died. He was at this service. Terry was at this church. It was actually, it was actually David Crowder's church down in Texas. And Terry was promoting a book of his a few years back. And he was there at the church when the pastor Died and got electrocuted in front of Ugh, everybody. It's so terrible. Uh, but he shares that story. So, this whole conversation is fascinating. And in this conversation, uh, he asks me about my beliefs and why I have decided to stop playing in the modern American pop rock worship services. And I just feel like it's time for me to start speaking my mind.
1: Let's be honest. Yeah. Not to be hurtful, but you have to speak your truth.
0: Yeah. After I had this conversation, I realized doing this podcast over the past uh, couple months, I've actually f- been a little bit hypocritical doing this because when I have guests on the podcast, one of the things I ask people is I say, listen, you, I want you to feel freedom to say whatever is on your mind. But all I ask is that in this conversation, whether we are having beers or coffee or cocktails, I just ask every guest that we be open and honest and that we just have an honest conversation and just see where it goes that this is, a, I say this is a safe place, no non-judgmental. And I feel like I've been a little hypocritical because whenever it comes to f- talking about my decision in this area, I've been a little bit guarded. I've been, you know, i I want my guest, I want guests to feel like they can say anything, but I didn't feel like I was giving myself liberty to say everything.
1: Well, I mean, I get why you might feel that way because you're the interviewer. It's not about you, you having your platform right then. It's their chance to
0: talk. That is an interesting balance. All right, before we dive into this, a reminder that the links to everything we talk about in this conversation are in the show notes below. I'm going to leave a link to Terry's nonprofit. I'm going to leave a link to the website where you can read Terry's book, Jesus, a novel, for free online. And I'm actually also going to leave a link to a fascinating article that he wrote for City Pages. Saying Jesus, oh man, I'm, I'm totally, I don't have it in front of me right now, but Jesus would like you to cease and desist using his name. Mm. Or Jesus would like America to cease and desist using his name. Interesting. All right. So let's just get into it. My conversation with Terry Esau at the, what, the Lynn Hall. At the Lynn Hall in South Minneapolis. <laughs> on Lindale. Lynn Hall on Lindale in South Minneapolis over coffee and pastries. Let me okay. Let me put some context before I hear this. Okay, okay. The context is I have no I, I, you, I Your name to me is three days old. Literally, I saw <laughs> somehow the algorithm of Facebook. I, this we're, is why I love Minneapolis. We're virgin we, friends. Yes, we're virgin friends. <laughs> <I love it. laughs> the algorithms of Facebook. We, I love Minneapolis because you can have so many friends in common. Right, right. And somehow your uh, post of yours on Sunday popped up on my feed. And as soon as I clicked on it and then I looked at your page and saw some things you'd said, I'm like, I have to sit down. And I realized we have a million friends in common. Yeah. So uh, Joel Bowers. Oh, I yeah. actually, right before I contacted you, I texted. Uh, he's one of my closest friends. Oh, I love and Joel. I love him. Jo- I love Joel too. He was on this. Yeah, one of the first people I had back on a couple years ago. Oh, really? Ago. Yeah. I- I'm gonna have to dig back and listen to uh, that. Oh, it's so. It was. It was so fun. I mean, we just. It was just another conversation we have all the time. Yeah, right. For Joel, because right, he's right. such a deep thinker. Right. I texted him. I said, "Okay, tell me about." It says that you. Kn- how well do you know Terry? Is would it be cool to sit down with him? And he goes, yeah. "You." have to, whatever you can do, you have, you have to get together with them. Uh, but you, then he and had you told believed me, him? I believe it. I was like, oh, dude, I need this in writing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. So I called him out on, no, I, uh, I asked him and he told me you were, in, you had a background in music, right?
1: Specifically jingle writing. Was that a thing yep. for a while too? That was my, that was my job for really? like 25 or 30 years. So
0: fascinating.
1: Yeah. So I, uh, I bought an old bank building. It's actually out in long Lake. And I turned yeah. it into a recording studio. So, uh, yeah, and I've done commercials for McDonald's and Pepsi and Harley's and Honda's and Target and Mall yeah. of America and Golden Grams and Kitty Litter and you name it. You know, Man. probably uh, probably a couple thousand pieces of music for TV and radio. And, really? Yeah.
0: How'd you get into that? It's, it was it's, gen- no I'm, it's so foreign to me. Yeah. Is that something you set out?
1: Well, here's the interesting thing. So my very first day of music theory class in college, our professor said, welcome to college, welcome to music theory 101, go home, write a jingle about milk, bring it back tomorrow and perform it for the class. And I'm gone. Day one. <laughs> wow. All right. College is going to be cool. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, went, I went home and I did that and performed it for the class the next day. Didn't think much about it. Mm-hmm. I, worked, I went to college for 3 years and then I took a year off cuz yeah. I had zero money and kind of had to get a job and yeah. I was studying classical guitar so I was teaching guitar lessons in yeah. in music uh stores and after 9 months of that I mean I, literally I spent 9 months teaching junior high boys how to play smoke on the water <laughs> And I thought I was going to lose my mind. Yes. So I walked in. I said, I I quit. I can't take Uh, one more day. (laughs) And I go, okay, I have June, July, and August before I I was going to go back and finish my last year of college. Yeah. And I thought, remember that jingle I did for my first day of music theory class? I wonder if anybody would pay me to write jingles for them. Yes. So I started going around to ad agencies here, and they all, you know, Guess what their first question for me was? What have you done?
0: Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. And I
1: go, well, I did a milk jingle for music theory class, (laughs) which didn't impress them all that much. So, uh, Which the, is it, the
0: craziest thing because the weirdest thing about music or whatever work is, people want to hire someone that's already doing it. Right. It's the break-in. The
1: break-in like is the how hard you, part.
0: How you, we, we don't want to hire someone that is right. looking to get into this. Right, right. On a background. Anyways, yeah. that just, that's the so that would happen. So
1: I struck out after a yeah. week or so of, of meeting with ad agencies and then blowing me off. And then I thought, yeah. okay, well, I'm going to go directly to the client. So I, I turned on the radio. I got out a legal pad because yes. this was in the 70s. And I wrote down, I listened all morning, and I wrote down all the jingles that I thought really sucked. Yeah. And then I said, I'm going to call all those people and say, hey, you need help. <laughs> so, I, maybe, I shouldn't, maybe I, I, maybe I shouldn't it. say this, but the first, and then I prioritized oh. them by worst to uh, least uh, worst. Yes. The number one jingle was that I hated was Menards. Yes. And it was the same jingle back in the 70s that it is now. Yeah. Save big, big money. money. Yeah. So, I called them and... I wasn't very tactful back then. So, yes. anyhow, they, uh, they basically said they were offended. <laughs> so, I continued to call uh, these companies directly. That's and, I love that. And they, uh, you know, of course, they asked me the same question well, what have you done? Yeah. And I had nothing. Mm-hmm. So, I said, okay, so that's strike two. So, then I decided I'm going to drive down to Rochester, Minnesota. There were no ad agencies at that time down there. Mm-hmm. So I just, I walked into businesses and I made deals with them. I said, I'll, I'll write a, I'll go up back to Minneapolis, I'll bring in a bunch of musicians and singers and I'll write a jingle for you, record it, yeah. I'll bring it back down and play it for you. No obligation. The only thing you have to agree to is if you love it, you will negotiate a price with me.
0: Oh, my gosh. And I got
1: three companies to agree to that. And then I came back up, and I recorded, and I was really nervous, because I'd, I'd actually never yeah. been in a recording studio. <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> you're totally working back end on this. So <laughs> I, had, the guys.
1: I really had no idea what I was doing, but that's really never stopped me in my whole life, so, mm-hmm. so why, why now? So I, and I went back down there, and I sold all three of them. And really? I go, Wow. I actually think I might have a career here. Because I was was going for a music ed degree, Mm -hmm. and I thought, I really don't want to be a high school band director. Yeah. Just like, there was nothing about that that appealed to me at the time.
0: Yes. So
1: so then I continued going back and forth to Rochester the rest of the summer. Uh, I came back, I finished my degree, and I actually continued to do jingles during my last year of college. And then... I got married right after college. We moved to Rochester. After eight months, um, the alarm clock radio went on, and three of my jingles came on in a row. And I told Mary, I said, okay, (laughs) it's time to move back to the big city. Now I can walk into agencies, and when they say, what have you done, I
0: go here. Just turn on. Just tell them, hey, yeah. do you have a radio nearby? Let's turn it on. Well, and see what and unfortunately, happens. <laughs> it was only Rochester <laughs> yes. radio. Yeah. So I uh, still,
1: it still took a while before they yeah. respected me enough to hire me to do like national kind of campaigns. Yeah. But you, you build into it, and really within a, a couple of years, I was doing, you know, like target campaigns and stuff like that. So, so really, it, so it
0: took off pretty fast. The how. Uh, how big of a factor do you think it was that you went into that situation? I'm thinking about the first time you drove down to, to Rochester. How big of a factor do you think it was that this this wasn't my my dream? My entire life has been to write jingles, and my entire career falls on me convincing these people to buy the jingles. I'm just thinking about I'm thinking about the freedom in your situation to do that. And I'm just I'm in my mind, I'm just thinking about how. A picture you go down there and if you were in a situation where you were already a jingle writer and you had these tunes and you had to hard sell somebody, that would have completely changed the interaction. Whereas you went down there and you said, hey, listen, we got time. I'm not even going to show you anything today. I don't know,
1: Jack. Yeah, I don't know anything.
0: Just, (laughs) hey, I'm going to come back. I'll have something. Uh, Let's talk then. Yeah. And the freedom of backworking it instead of, I've got a product right here. Make a decision right now. Right. Because then you're tailoring. I don't know. I just think that's such a brilliant business model. Well,
1: sometimes brilliant business models <laughs> are like, birthed out of necessity.
0: <laughs> yeah. So
1: it's like nobody was nobody would listen to me. Yeah. So I'm going. The only way I'm ever going to get anybody to pay attention to me is if I take a take a chance. Yeah. Take the risk to go out and invest my own money into recording something for somebody, and I don't know if they'll buy it. No. Yeah. But. You know, if you believe in, if you believe that you have the ability, and if you have the passion to do it, mm. and the persistence, I always tell I, I've had so many young musicians that come to me and say, how, "How did you do this? And what what is the key element to being successful?" And I usually say, "Probably persistence." Mm. You know, yeah, and, and and if you believe that what you are doing if you have if you can put out some quality work. Yeah. Now you just have to get it in front of the right people. You know, which is a hard thing.
0: Yeah, which is way easier said than done. I, I will. The other thing too is what's fascinating to me about that whole story of of your process is that it's completely backwards from a lot of people that I've talked to or even my experience um, in music. It's that some so often other people you have an idea of this is what I want to do i have my right, right. i have my tunes i want this so now i just have to figure out someone to pay me to do what i want to do right. instead of saying hey where, where's the need for this first like right. you look at it it was almost complete does that make sense at all yeah no that's it, that's how
1: great products are birthed yes is first where is the need you know Yeah. in some ways that's that's where my nonprofit free bikes for kids came out yeah of. Was, okay, the need is there are millions of kids who don't have bikes. The source, and then you have to go, is there a source? And I go, yeah, there are millions of garages with bikes sitting in them collecting dust. So now you have a need and a source. Now you have to go, okay, all I have to do is figure out how how to get the source to the need. Yeah. You know, so we know there's a a demand and there's a supply. Yes. Now we just have to put them together. Yes. So you create the model to put
0: them together. You have a successful business model. Uh, where, did, where did that come, where did that first come to your awareness, the need for kids? For bikes? bikes, yeah. Where did this come into your mind? Well,
1: even? I, I would say I'm a bikeaholic. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was, like, I, I grew up in a tiny little town in southwestern Minnesota, 2,000 okay. people. I had a paper out because I got paid to ride my bike. Yes. You know, and <laughs> then my brother and I would build ramps. Um, and we'd collect neighborhood kids and make them lie down the street and we'd see, we'd do shows, and we'd mm-hmm. see how many kids we could jump over. <laughs> yeah, Classic. <laughs> uh, and then when I was 16, the day that school let out in spring, my buddy and I got on our bikes and we rode to the west coast and back.
0: You know? What? So Okay, give me the, give me the name of the organization again, Free Bikes for Free Kids? Free Bikes for Kids. And, uh, so FB4K.org, go check and it out. Is it, so it started here? Yep but now Joel was talking like it is nationwide now or well expanding. we're expanding
1: we're in eight cities so okay. so this started like basically in my garage 10 years ago yeah just as a fluke where i thought okay i'm going to i had done all of the news theme the music for the news themes for care 11 tv here in town for like 30 years so i called them and i said hey my cycling buddies and i want to collect some bikes in the next two weeks and fix them up and give them to kids for Christmas. Yeah. So, uh, and that was in 2008. And in two weeks, we got 250 bikes, and we fixed them up and gave them away, and my friend said, that's fun, let's do it again next year. We did, and we gave away like 750 and did it again the next year, and it was 1,500, and I said, okay, this, you know, this was started as a little hobby, but it's getting to be a lot of work, especially for me, you know, putting my time in on this and I was still kind of in the music business sort of at that point um, so I said let's let's, uh, let's get a board yeah uh, establish 501c3 I'll go see if I can find a corporate sponsor yeah and uh, we, I brought a line of health in that year and we gave away 5,000 bikes that year oh my gosh. so now we've given away 70,000 bikes. What? Yeah. We're in eight cities, uh, launching in probably four more cities this year. This is what I do now. This is uh, My hobby became my job once again. <laughs> yes.
0: Oh, okay. This is, this is fascinating because to me, the, your um, jingle writing and mm-hmm. this seem very much connected in the thought of envisioning something that someone else can't see and then showing up and finding a way to express that and paint that picture for them and convince them. I'm not, I'm not talking about sales. Right. But I'm talking about how do you... Well, kind
1: of is sales in a is way. Is it?
0: Well, okay. Well, any idea, you have to
1: sell it. Yeah. The bikes program started yeah. small with 250 bikes. It's like, okay, that's something that a, a core group of people can manage in a few weeks. It's, yeah. But then oh, you go, man. okay, now is there a way to, is there a way to scale this? Yeah. And what do you need to do to scale it? Um, which And in some ways, that was foreign to me because, yeah. you know, I, I was a music guy, you know. So running a business and creating a business model... It's almost not, a dirty word. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> man, this is art. Can't like,
1: yeah, I even felt that way sometimes in the jingle business. It's like, am I creating art or am I just you know doing a consumeristic service for major corporations
0: yeah what did you land on when Uh, you had that self-talk well here's an interesting
1: point we're really jumping around but that's okay. yeah yeah i don't know how many years into my the music career i started getting a little bit into a mode of you know instead of fighting with the client and fighting with the ad agency let's just give them what they want and i didn 't start that way, you know I wanted to go now here 's what I think would really work for you and here 's some music that I think has some this has some musicality to it yeah. that people are going to go you know it 's sorry menards it 's not a Menard's jingle, yeah you know so after kind of going too far down that road of pleasing the client, I actually talked to the um, one of the guys who was a, who worked for me at the time, and i said we 're instituting the st Policy. Okay. Squirm and twitch. So I said, I said the first, the first uh, piece of music that we produce for a client when we're working with them, mm-hmm. if it doesn't make them squirm and twitch a little bit, then we haven't done our job. So it needs to make them a little uncomfortable. Really. Because if it doesn't make them just a little bit uncomfortable, what's it going to do for the the consumer out there? It's just going to be noise you know yeah so you have to i mean that's what art does, yeah. right yeah art asks questions and it makes you uncomfortable and you know it's beauty yeah but it asks questions so i thought i want to i want to infuse art into this jingle business yeah so i need to i need to ask questions musically lyrically whatever and make mm-hmm. people a little uncomfortable so that they remember it after they hear it. Yeah, how'd that work out? I didn't always. <laughs> <laughs> the, the for instance, I, I, did a, <laughs> I, I did quite a few uh, spots for Harley Davidson over the years, but I, I came up, the best thing I ever did for them, they rejected. Really? Yeah, and I still, it still pisses me off. Just sit, so I, sitting
0: I, there somewhere. So I
1: came up with uh, the, con- the theme, Hallelujah. Because I, I go, Harley owners, it's like a religion for them.
0: Oh, yeah. Nobody so, gets a Suzuki tattoo.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you get a Harley tattoo, man. So
1: I, I went to them, and I, I actually hired the Steels, the mm-hmm. Black Gospel family here, and we did this just smoking Black Gospel version of this how you know it was singing to the spirit of motion and it was oh yes it, it was really cool i thought oh and we went it to them brilliant. and it, it really made him nervous <laughs> <laughs> but i had even worked out oh. here's here's the merch that yeah. you could sell with hallelujah on it oh yeah they would have made a ton yeah but they they didn't like it
0: all right this this is I'm just, by the way, I'm just going to embrace the randomness of this conversation. Sure. But what is, what was the morning or what was the getting in your car, starting your car after the meeting where they say, you've put all this time and you're convinced, you know, this is the best idea right. possible for Harley. They say, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. What, what did that, the self-talk look like when you start up your car?
1: Um, I mean, I was, I was upset. Because I just thought, but this, this isn't the first time that's happened in my career. Yeah,
0: because I'm, I'm, That's why I'm, yeah. I'm curious about if it is if you're if you've created the ability to let it brush off your shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's right. I got pretty fine. good at that. Okay.
1: Um, with in the jingle business, I got pretty good at it because mm-hmm. it wasn't, you know, I was trying to sell a product that they believed in. I didn't necessarily always believe in it. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't like this is my soul I'm throwing out there for you. Yeah. Uh, later on, like some of the stuff that I'm working on now with my books and stuff. Yeah. That's more personal, so so it's a little harder for me to brush that stuff, stuff off. So my yeah. self talk is a little different there. Yeah. When I walked out of the Harley meeting, I thought you guys just made a huge mistake. Yes. Because <laughs> I know this is a good idea. I know it would sell motorcycles. I know you'd make money. You just don't see it, yeah. But, it's your loss. Yeah. So Harley, if you're listening, <laughs> the door's still open. It's still, <laughs> I still own it.
0: <laughs> I've got the hard drive. Yeah. it's all ready to roll out. Yeah, I right. think it's a brilliant idea. What happens if you landed up something like that with Harley? Is there any in incentives where, all right, here's a free motorcycle? Have you ever gotten any kickbacks from companies? I
1: did. I did a spot in 1984. It ran during the 84 Olympics. Yeah. And they actually... Harley was in a bit of a bind back then. They were having some troubles. And they actually said, would you take a motorcycle instead of payment on this? And I was... At the time, you know, I had... uh, We had three young girls. And, you know, it's like my (laughs) wife was not, not excited about me going... You know, I I didn't take a payment on that, but I got a Harley. <laughs> the
0: sweetest Harley.
1: <laughs> but I do uh, think that was one of the biggest mistakes of my life. I should have taken the Harley.
0: Just take the Harley, put it, put it in storage. Yeah. Listen, we don't have to look at it right now. Yeah, right. The girls are going to be growing up. How old are your girls? Oh, they're like 38, 35, 31. Oh, cool. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> Six grandkids. Life is awesome. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. Are they all in the cities here? Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. Uh, you, you said something that struck a chord with me, the difference between, uh, I guess, selling or doing, creating something for someone else mm-hmm. and the almost detachment right. that comes with that and doing it for yourself. Yeah. Uh, did you, what, what was like the, where did you first learn that lesson that you're talking about with that? Was it the first time you wrote a book or was it with a music project or when did you start doing stuff for yourself in that?
1: Um, oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think I learned to detach because of the jingle business. Mm. Because there were, you know, whenever you're doing something like that, and I'm not the one who decides if it's good or not. Yeah. It's the ad agency and the client. So, so you're, you're going to get rejected and you're going to say, I mean, I had to fly back out to L.A. sometimes to re-sing one word. I didn't get to decide that, yeah, because they—they're the
0: client. they oh. have the money. Okay, this is something I've been thinking about in music uh, specifically. That it's—it's it's not really about if it's good or not. Because have, did you ever <laughs> get to the point where you realized that? Uh, I'm just thinking of a couple specific situations myself, selfishly here, where I was in a session, and I looked around and I realized it, it almost like clicked in me. And it's not—it I realized it wasn't about. This is the best bass part, or right, this right, is right. like this is. We're not making decisions on which one's the best or not. There's so many other factors outside of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm wondering yeah. if that came into play with your stuff. <clears throat> if like this, this word has nothing to do. If this changing this word is the yeah. r- perfect word and going to elevate this tune. Yeah, it could be because some dude felt like he hadn't didn't have a say in anything, and oh, he yeah. just. Uh, here, Well, here's my one chance to make yeah. some Well, that change. was the
1: psychology of working sometimes with yeah. ad agencies is you go... It's almost like you wanted to create an, an opening for them to add their element because mm. until they own it, they're not going to sell it to the client. Okay. So you really... You need buy-in from the ad agency and the account executive. So sometimes it would be like I'd try to... Try to nudge them to an area where I go. You know, if we change this, I don't know. What do you What do you think of this? And, then, oh. and if you can make this sounds terrible, but if you can make them think like it's their idea.
0: I was just going to say that. <laughs> I don't think that's terrible at all. That well, is. Well, it is. It's,
1: <laughs> it's manipulative, but but sometimes you have to yeah. manipulate. And... Oh my
0: gosh! Yes, <laughs> that is the most underrated skill. I think that nobody talks about how do you can no. how do you because all right maybe it, how do you make it not manipulative because <laughs> it is the skill of how do you make someone feel ownership or make them feel like it was their idea right because the second they do then you're not selling anymore then right. you're exactly uh, then you're no. working together yeah 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 now it's a collaboration and and they have ownership yeah because
1: yeah. if they could come in and say to the client and yeah. go. You know, I, I made a couple of changes, you know, this was my idea. And the client goes, oh, I love that. You know, yeah. Now they're heroes.
0: Yeah. Because uh, I, that was a, I'm 33, almost 34. And I feel like it was, actually, you know what it was? It was this podcast that made me, uh, learn that lesson that you're talking about. And it, yeah. it taught me the, it taught me this, what we're talking about in music too, where, uh, I thought when it came to when it came to having a conversation, I used to think that it was it was all about uh, I need to force it. I need to come up with the the perfect questions to ask. I right. need to, but it was all about this yes-anding. Like, oh, cool! You said this, and then adding to yeah, it. And yeah. it, was, it was all about listening in the moment. Yeah. And I realized that in my music side of things, in sessions or rehearsals, I was horrible. It was the, probably one of the biggest detriments to me as a musician. Was um, not yes-ending things. Right, I would yeah, hold yeah. on to an idea super tight, and yeah. I would come in and I'd say, well, this is the right thing for it, and this is what I want. Yeah. And then if someone else said something that didn't agree with my idea, I would respond with, well, no. Yeah. Uh, this, well, no, this is what we need to do. Instead of, hey, that's a great idea. What if, in addition to that, right, right. we also did this other idea that could be yeah. your idea too? Look how you inspired this. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, great music teaches you that. Yeah. Because because music, you know, especially when you're playing in a band, yeah. It's like everybody can't solo, Yeah, you know? You have to go, you, you, you have to listen and go, where's the space? But more than that, where's the space that I need to fill? Not, you know, and, and where do I leave space for the guitar player, for, you know, whatever, for the singer, for the drummer, for the keyboardist? You know, so I think musician is a great way. It's probably, mm. being a musician probably trained you to be an interviewer because, because you had to learn the concept of space there. Now, you, when you're interviewing, you have to go. Is this a time when I jump in and offer my thoughts on it, or mm. ask another question, or do I leave some space? Because yeah. this guy might go someplace.
0: You know. I, yeah. I, I, well, yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. And then also you have to think about that, but if you you have to ignore it to a certain extent, especially musically. If you if you get too much in your head, right. you're going to trip. Right. If you think about if you think about walking too much, where Feel your it. feet are doing, you're going to fall in your face. Right. Uh, Yeah. Hey, okay, let me play devil's advocate here in this topic then. All right. Where do you find the balance between... Uh, on, all right, on, on one hand, you have the goal is to create something cool and to, or to sell a product, say, yeah. in your jingle writing business, uh, and to convince them that's their idea, or, for, or not maybe even convince them because that's manipulative... Uh, how to encourage buy-in, how to get yeah, them to yeah, buy yep, into a situation. Yep. But then on the other hand, it is how do you uh, show that you have value and how do you project that, on the other hand, you're bringing something to the table and that you're worth the time that people are paying you to be here. Yeah. Does that make sense? How do you hold those two in your mind? Of
1: Well, I, first of all, I would say you have to believe that you bring something valuable to the table.
0: Because
1: mm. I the problem with manipulating or convincing or overplaying or over-talking, that's a, generally a problem of low self-esteem or not belief in yourself.
0: Because mm-hmm.
1: when, you, when you don't believe in yourself or your skill or your playing ability or whatever, yeah. now you're trying to convince people that you're good. So whenever, whenever you're trying to convince people that you're good, now you, you've lost the musicality concept of it or mm-hmm. the... Or the great interviewer concept, because now you're trying. Now you're selling, and when you're doing that, you're, you're not listening to the other instruments, or you're not listening to the person you're interviewing, because mm-hmm. you're already working out your thing in your mind of what is the next question, or, or, or I yes. kind of I like what he said there, but I want to take it there. Mm-hmm. So you're not letting the music. Oh. Play and write itself. You are, you're, and now,
0: now take that into marriage. Yeah, <laughs>
1: because you're married, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So, how's it play into marriage? Hear <laughs> uh, your thoughts. Like, okay, what does that? How's well, that connect? I mean, if
1: if if you overplay in marriage, you're not going to have a very good marriage. <laughs> you know, if you're trying, if you're insecure in who you are, and mm. you're trying to, if you play too many notes, mm. you know. Yeah. Your marriage isn't gonna isn't gonna work. If yeah. you're if you're if you're having a disagreement with your spouse and she's uh she's pitching some, you know, giving you her feelings yeah. and the whole time you're thinking about how you're going to respond. You haven't heard it. Yes. You know, one and you're gonna play really sucky music together. <laughs> yeah. or, or the dance is gonna be very awkward and it's Yes she's in three four, you're in four four and yeah. you know oh.
0: How did how did you learn that? And did that was that just a pro- over I'm 60, time? I'm
1: sixty four. Oh yeah. I think the older I get, the more hesitant I am to give advice. Yeah. And I this is you can't see this, <laughs> uh, but I You've tend put your to, foot on the
0: table. I tend and, uh, to, I have kidding. my hand open here,
1: <laughs> so it's like I hold on to things with my hand open more than with my mm. my hand clenched. So um, because. Because if I, if I were to go like this, with my hand clenched on what I think is true and what I think is, is going to work, mm-hmm. I've changed that many times over the course of my 64 years. So now, as you get older, you kind of, I think, you tend to hold on to things more loosely. I'm, I'm less, cons- well, maybe this is good and bad. I'm much less concerned what people think of me.
0: I, you know. I think that's amazing.
1: Because if you're always trying to manage other people's perception of you, Mm. now you're selling and now you're not being yourself because you're trying to be something that's acceptable to them. And it's like, that's a lot of work. It's exhausting. It's not true. It's not real. So I think the sooner... You know, that's why I see some old people, and they do really kind of weird, eccentric things. And I'm going, they didn't used to do those in public. They did them in private. Yeah. And now they just don't care
0: anymore. Yeah. And I go, I respect that. <laughs> you, you, obviously, you Listen, you didn't have time to put, put on pants this morning. Yeah. And right. now you're in Walmart walking around. Yeah. I respect that. Yeah, you have yeah. things to do. Yeah. And you don't care what anybody thinks. So
1: that, I mean, there's yeah. freedom in that. Yeah. Oh. And to me, yes. it's you... like, I, I want to live in that kind of freedom where I, this is who I am. Mm. And I'm not saying that I don't need to grow in any, in other ways. I obviously do. Yeah. You could ask Mary, my wife, <laughs> that, and she would, <laughs> she would tell you some ways. But to be always on the cell and trying to convince people mm. that you're
0: somebody you aren't, it's like, that's, that's not oh. a good way to live. You... You're reading my mail because it is that I can relate to that so in such a massive way. Huh. It's just so exhausting of trying yeah. to convince. Um, yeah, trying to. I, there, I mean, there's there's a million things that you just said there that, I I, that trigger different thoughts in my mind. But um, even the thought of this open-handed. Yeah, I heard a quote recently that talked about, and I have I wrote it uh, in my studio wall. And it, the question is: Is this open-handed energy or grasping energy? Right. The most valuable things in my life have come out of when I've had open, en- mm-hmm. open-handed energy right. instead of trying to hold on to something so mm-hmm. tight. And I am, or the times I'm thinking about my music career when I've held on to it so tight, I'm in a massive, I'm in a massive, massive season of uh, both. I'm just in tra- a transition season with okay. career, uh, and also I just. Uh, this is a side note too. I, so I just this last month said I'm I am taking a step down from playing in churches because okay. of personal reasons and, and the modern. You gonna tell pop. me
1: what your personal reasons are? Okay, so the deal is, <laughs>
0: the the deal for me was um, so I got into music because of essentially because of church, congregational, right. uh, modern I, okay. evangelical pop worship. Right. That's how I learned when I was younger. Right. Ended up coming to Minneapolis, went to school at a school called North Central mm-hmm. University downtown, mm-hmm. studied in their worship department, went on tour with all their worship teams, okay. continued on, toured with different people, but the main underlying theme has been playing in churches, and, and I got to the point where I was overwhelmed with I haven't I haven't, um, I haven't really talked spirituality really much on this my my own stuff on this podcast. Well, but we're, I,
1: we're going there. Oh man, Rob, we're I, going there right oh, now. Man. Well, the deal was because we need, I want to talk about my book that
0: yeah, and, just came
1: out. And, and this, that's,
0: I was just gonna say that's the only reason <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing really, I'm willing to open up about this is because I felt like I when I when I read things like scripture and I think about. Um, the early Christian church mm-hmm. uh, And then I looked at what I was doing it, I couldn't see the parallels anymore It felt very disingenuous And I went on a tour And I played the, some, the biggest rock shows I've ever played in my life uh, Opening for bands like Foo Fighters And playing Fuji Rock in Japan All this yeah. crazy stuff And then I came back and played at a church That was doing the same thing Mm-hmm. And I remember it was 3 years of me walking off stage with, in playing modern worship saying this prayer. My prayer was God, I don't I don't know what this whole deal is. Right. I don't know what my interaction with it is. What you think about it? What if what this interaction between me and you is? Right. But my intention isn't for me to be playing a rock show with right. cameras and lights pointed at me. Right. And so it was a, every time I walked off stage it was a prayer of apology saying yeah, I'm yeah. sorry for this. Uh, because, I,
1: re- I respect you for that.
0: <laughs> uh, oh man, well I, I appreciate that because I would. Then I, I really haven't spoken out re- a bunch about this because a lot of my friends still are in this, and I don't want yeah. to be disrespectful. Are you a little nervous police. right now? Talking I'm so nervous. Do I look nervous? I'm so <laughs> nervous about this. The, but because I don't want to offend I, friend I know, relationships, know. you know. But you're being you're just being honest. Yeah. Uh, so I I was I felt like whenever I'd stand behind someone and they'd give. Uh, a prayer or worship thought in this mm-hmm. modern right. era. It felt like we had printed out a page of all the words and phrases you're allowed to use, and then we <laughs> cut them all up, and we put them in a hat, and then yep. we just put our hands in the hat and yep. regurgitated, and I found myself wow. saying, "What do we know what we're saying? Right. Uh, so that was a month ago huh. of me saying, for my own integrity, I ha- this is something yeah. I need to step down from. I burnt the ships instead of burning bridges. Yeah. Like This is helping a lot of people, I guess. It's just for me. I know, I just don't see the, the tie lines. Yeah. So there's my there's see, my emotional see, just vomiting. You're
1: telling me you stopped going to church for your spiritual health.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh man, it was literally. I I said I said to myself, if I I will I if I continue to go to church, I will have there there it will be for sure no ability to, for me to have any resemblance of a faith anymore. Wow. Yeah. If that makes sense yeah. Is that, am I just talking crazy now no
1: no i i have some
0: <laughs> I have some very
1: strong opinions on this too, and i 'm not sure if I should say them on this podcast <laughs> but i 've actually i have over the in the past because of my music career mm-hmm. and and stuff like that i 've been invited to speak at some like worship seminars yeah. first of all, it really irritates me that it 's called worship music because it 's like so music is the only way we worship. I, uh, you know, I think we're worshiping right here, right now. So one hundred percent. So and then, so it's only in music that it's considered worship, and then it's only in one very narrow genre of music. And mm-hmm. I in this very I've specific context. A very specific context, and it's, it's so. I'm going to get in trouble for this, but it's so formulaic, and.
0: Oh, it's 100% formulated. Yeah. And I think I mean, people know that, that are in it. I,
1: sometimes, like, I'm with my wife in, yeah. ch- in church, and there's a new song, that I, a new worship song yeah. that I haven't heard before. Yeah. And I'll look, I'll lean over to Mary and I'll go, I go I've never heard this song. Watch, I'm going to sing, and I'm going to be almost perfect as what the melody is going to be. Yes. It's so predictable. Yes.
0: My and friends that I would tour with would play the Christian radio station game where they, when they were in tour vans, they would press scan on the radio yeah. and the first one that could say, that's it, that's the Christian radio station, <clears throat> right, right. wins. Yeah, yeah. I- <laughs> 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 but
1: it's, it's so formulaic. And see, I mean, this gets back to the s and mm. thing, the Squirm and twitch. Yeah. If, if we're truly creating music that is supposed to bring people to a sense of awe and worship. Mm. First of all, that music should be asking more questions than giving answers. It should be making people think. It should not be just, you know, like you said, I, I've i never heard it put that way, but it's like, cut up all the words that you're supposed to use, throw them in a hat, pull them out and just Put them in any random order. Because the order
0: doesn't matter. It doesn't. And there's your song. <laughs> there it is. And yeah. I,
1: I've, I've been talking about this. Like My wife is sick of me talking about this. But I go, I can hardly stand to listen to it because mm. it just... I, I say this. It's not art. Yeah. And to me, that's, that's almost like a slap in the face to God that says, we're going to... We've commercialized our worship to mm. you, you know, because, because it sells, because it gets people in the seats, you know. So we put on a show, and it's, I don't know. And sometimes I go, is it me or is it them? Because I look around, and I see people who are really into it,
0: and I go, I don't know. Okay, g- give me your thoughts on this. Hel- help me through this. I'm torn between, I I don't want to offend. I'm very, I'm very much, I don't want to offend anybody because yeah. that... There's a lot of people going to these churches for for a reason. Right. Because they connect with it. It's adding value to their lives. Right. Right. Uh, But at the same time, I want to stand in my own truth. Right. And I don't want to silence my own voice because what if these thoughts, the more I convey these, the more I run into people that say, oh, I've been thinking about that too. Right. And I miss out on solidarity. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you find that balance? Because you, now you you've, written, you've written this book. I would love your thoughts on uh,
1: some of where that's going and see yeah. how that intersects with what you're feeling yeah. by your um, disingenuousness of standing up there mm. in the worship show. Yeah. Because that's partly why I wrote this book. I mean, Yeah. I don't know if you saw any of my... Um, my teasers yeah, that went I out did. before yep. you know Jesus wrapped in an American flag yeah you know and it's like okay well okay maybe we
0: shouldn't get into all this I love it so, if you, so back to your worship thing I would love to hear all this yeah if, you, if you're willing to share it sure
1: well, do you want to I mean go with the teaser thing or what or yeah you know, I want to hear about the book and the teaser stuff well some of this came back like a, a month and a half or two months ago <laughs> I wrote this essay, that was called Jesus Press Conference, and the City Pages uh, put it on their, their deal.
0: Really? Yeah,
1: and it was like, because I was going, if, if Jesus were here <laughs> sitting in on the politics in America, you know, and he called the press conference to say, here's what I think, what would he say? Yeah. And it was, it was pretty in your face. Really? Yeah, I should. I'd love to have you read it and hear what you think about this. Yeah, because that was that was kind of a bit of a summary in some ways of what this whole book is about. Yeah. So, just to set up the book, uh, the book is called Jesus, a novel. But the 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 S in the middle of Jesus is reversed, so it's a two. Yeah. And the concept. Can I tell you the concept of the book is.
0: Or yeah, do you I, want be, oh, I, I want to hear it. Yeah. Okay, and then we can talk yeah, about yeah. the teasers because it'll help yeah. ex- explain. It. Absolutely. So that's why this is so fun to me because it is, this is so fresh. Like, yeah. oh, as soon as I heard about this, I was like, I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to yeah, ask yeah. any more questions because <laughs> I want to sit down and hear. From All right, you. so this is well, totally genuine.
1: <laughs> so let's just say, hypothetically, that Jesus didn't come 2,000 years ago, okay? Just didn't happen. But now let's say that hypothetically, he comes now. But he comes now, 2019, here in the U.S. Mm. But now you have to go, if he didn't come 2,000 years ago, how would the world be different? So there's no Catholic church. There's no Protestant church. There's no Christmas. There's no Easter. There's no New Testament. Mm. So there's no Peter, Paul, or Mary. There's, um, you know... There's there's a lot of the music we have and the art we have in the world. Music, art, um, yeah, like Bach, Beethoven, Mozart, yes, Rembrandt, Da Vinci, the Sistine Chapel. It's like where would where would all that stuff be? Yes, Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Jr., William Wilberforce. You know, two two uh, Christ followers who said we gotta we have to get rid of slavery. Yeah. Um, so there's, you know, I mean, you look at America and you go, uh, I mean, we came, the pilgrims came here for religious freedom. Yeah. You know, how would that have happened? The most of the universities that were established here were, you know, Catholic or Christian based universities. The early thought, Oh man. I mean, it's what year would it be? You know, it's even the calendar is based on when Jesus came.
0: Oh, so, interesting. So you go... Would we, would we? Would politics even look the same? Would we have... Would our government, our government look the same? Yep. You would, yeah.
1: First of all, there would be, you know, the Crusades, the Inquisition, the Salem witch trials, the, you know, I, the Holocaust. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe a lot of those things wouldn't have happened or they would have been different. Yeah. I, I believe that human beings are really in the business of creating gods. Mm. that are on their side so even if Jesus hadn't come I think we would have been creating other gods to be on our side so that when we fought wars we could say hey my God told me to do this and, and he's right yeah so I think the world would still be screwed up, but it would be screwed up in a, in different, a different
0: way. In yes. a different way. I, yeah, because that's what I was thinking. Even as you're saying that, I'm thinking about, okay, the Christmases and Easter's. Well, there, a lot of those foundations are founded in, there's a lot of secular tradition of that, of yeah. uh, the Kel- early Celtic. So you may have <coughs> the, the, a festival, uh, like a spring festival, sure. but it would just look differently. The whole, yeah. the theme, all of it. Yeah. Interesting. You're almost talking the Twilight Zone, well, alternate universe stuff. Well, it's
1: what I, I call it like a dystopian culture mm. of America. So, yes. And that doesn't, I don't necessarily mean that, okay, if Jesus hadn't come, it would be total chaos, because I don't necessarily think that. But it would be different. Yeah. I know it would be different.
0: I'm almost and thinking that, right off my head, I'm thinking of uh, Planet of the Apes. Right. I've seen the old ones, the old yeah, Charlton yeah. Heston ones. Right, which right. Just, it's, it's things are some things are similar just because of the natural trajectory of humans right but completely different yeah okay
1: so um, so anyhow, so now you drop Jesus into that and actually in my book, I drop him here in Minneapolis. Okay, so um,
0: yeah, because you said when we were talking that Psycho Susie's was gonna be, is yeah. does that
1: well? It's I renamed it. It's the Neon Cathedral, but it was it's basically designed after Psycho because I walked in there. I don't know if you've ever seen. They have an, an orange neon sign above the bar that says "Mender of Broken Hearts."
0: Oh yes. And
1: Psycho Susie's used to be a church. Really? Yes. So if you go upstairs, I think they still have some stained glass windows up there.
0: Oh, that building used to be a church. Yeah, the building used to be a church. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. So I thought, because I was going to Psycho Susie's back before when it was in the old space. <clears throat> I don't know if you ever went to. It was a really tiny tiki bar before they moved into that space oh, yeah. like ten years ago. Yeah, no, uh, I, don't so think I didn't I know that. Was. Yeah. Anyway, anyway,
1: <clears throat> so so I and I just thought that you know. I think that's where Jesus would hang out. Yeah, I love you know? that. So, so now you drop Jesus into this, and you go, okay, who would he choose to be his followers?
0: Mm.
1: You know, back in the day, it was fishermen and tax collectors. You know, it was kind of the rabble. Yeah. So, you know, in my story, it's one of the one of his followers uh, runs a tattoo parlor. Uh, two of them uh, are in a Celtic metal band. You know, they're really these. Pissed off Irish guys. Yeah. Um, there's a, a bookie. There's a, a homeless guy who basically, he's autistic, lives under the Lake Street Bridge. Yeah. Um, there's a young woman who's one of his followers who's a slave. So in my book, slavery still exists, but it's, it's not a racial-only slavery. It's a, an economic slavery. Mm. So, uh, and it's called The Brotherhood of the Yoked. And what you do is you sell yourself into slavery. So if, if you go, I can't survive, I'm starving, you could choose to sell yourself into slavery, and the government regulated it. So,
0: Fascinating.
1: So that's I told you it was a bit dystopian. Yes.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, um, so anyhow, so now you have this culture. and. Mm-hmm. So who who does Jesus pick to be his followers? What stories does he tell? And I I don't parallel any anything from the actual Bible mm-hmm. because in my premise, it didn't happen. Yeah. So you can't parallel something that didn't happen. Yeah. So I had to write all uh, all fresh parables and stories
0: like that. Okay, so you were, um, see, this is, you're asking, the reason I like this, your approach, is because you're asking the questions I feel... Um, you didn't take the cheap way out of this, and I think this—I don't know if you've uh, read much like fantasy fiction—but uh, I'm thinking about how some people, when they're writing, uh, how they approach time travel. There's right. a really cheap way to approach time travel, right. or you can dive into it and you have to ask hard questions. Okay, right. so right. If, are we in, are we changing alternate universes? Are we changing time right. in the future? Right. So where does that go in? Yeah. And you're asking the hard questions in this. Yeah. So do I just? parody, because then the story's already written, I'll just kind of twist yeah, yeah. it a little bit. Right, right. Completely fresh. And I did
1: not want to do that. Love it. See, okay, so that, now let's get back to your yeah. original question with the teasers and stuff. So why did I write this? I wrote this predominantly because the Jesus that I see presented in our culture screwed up. You know? it's Jesus is a middle-aged white man. I don't think so. You know, so one of my teasers had somebody with makeup putting white, white makeup on Jesus' face to to lighten his skin.
0: Oh, <laughs>
1: you know. Yes. And it's like, was you know, Jesus a middle-aged white man? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, Jesus uh, wrapped in an American flag. You know, was mm-hmm. he a fundamentalist Republican? I don't think so. Was he a political ideologue? No. But that's how he's presented in a lot of our culture. Yeah. We're seeing him. And in some ways, it's like the worship thing you were talking about. We're going, how do we, how do we commoditize Jesus and make him work for us to help us sell our product? Yes. Well, or, and our product may be getting a Republican elected to president. And I'm, this is not a political book. Yeah. But I'm just saying, whenever, whoever politically... Um, puts a leash on Jesus and he says and says oh he's on our side Mm. now we have a problem so so there's that there's the money thing you know the health and wealth the prosperity gospel crap that's you know if you say these words and if you believe strongly enough God is gonna he's gonna make everything turn out great
0: yes tenfold the check that
1: you sent in today and I go well how did that work out for him yeah you know (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's like there's, I think our we, culture is just Feeding lies about who Jesus is And I think our culture is Totally In a lot of ways disinterested in Jesus For a good reason mm. Because the Jesus that's been presented Is not his fake
0: And it's like yes, if, There's if, not weight to it There's not truth Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't believe in that guy yeah, you know.
1: Yes, and I'm going. If that's who he is, I'm going to go find a different God, because that that God is not worthy of my worship. Yeah. So anyhow, I think our culture has written off Jesus because they've seen the wrong one. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to go. And some of this is for me too, because I'm I'm disenchanted with everything that I see going on. I go. Yeah. I want to I want to dig back in and explore. If I. If you know, if I had the opportunity to walk side by side with this guy today in our culture or whatever it might look like, what would I think? You know, would I buy into this guy's mission? Yeah. Or would I go, well, I don't think so. Yeah. So by writing this book, it gave me an opportunity to do that, to explore what would I do? Yeah. So I, I think that's, you know, it, I wanted to say this to you, I, I forgot earlier. When I first saw the name of your podcast, I, I was in like that. Yeah. Because the word curiosity means a lot to me. Yeah. Um, every one of my book proposals so, when you're pitching a, a book idea to a publisher, yeah. you write a proposal, and one category they always want you to address is who's your audience? Who are you writing mm-hmm. to? Every one of my books, I've defined my, my audience as people who are spiritually curious. But I don't care if they're atheists or Christians mm. or Muslims or Buddhists. I just want people who are curious. Yeah. Because if you're not curious, you're not asking questions anymore. Yeah. And if you're not asking questions, then you must be one of those people who think you have truth figured out. Yeah. You know? So, so I'm, I'm, I'm still curious, and I'm trying to write for people who are curious, and I'm saying... Here's something to think about.
0: Yeah. Now nah, let's talk about it. What does curiosity mean to you? I know you kind of well, said a little bit of that right there, but how would you define that for yourself?
1: Uh, to me, it's it's like hunger. It's like I, I, it's almost like I can't I can't put my finger on it, but like when I see something. Uh, an article or a title for something or a podcast, and it's like it's almost like it's a it's a steak you know and I go I have to know about that I, I've been wondering about that I have to know and it's it's almost as important to me as my next meal because I just I have to I have to try to understand and maybe it's a uh, it's just I think well, I have already said, when you stop being curious, you stop learning. Yeah. So now, when you, when you stop being curious, you start becoming stupid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because, you know, knowledge is going to regress if you don't keep feeding it. Yeah. And truth, you know, when you stop looking for truth,
0: you're going to stop finding truth. Oh, man. It's interesting that you say regression because I used to think that it didn't work that way. I thought wherever you got to, you just stopped, and I thought there was a pause button on things in life. But I've realized lately there's no pause button. Yeah, you're either moving forward or you're moving backwards. Yeah. Uh, So it's interesting. You you don't. You
1: never arrive. You know, arriving to if you think you've arrived. You haven't.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, because... Yes. Because there's... The, I think the more you learn about mm-hmm. truth, the more you realize you don't know. Yeah. And that's what keeps you going. You know, there's... Uh, T.S. Eliot said, doubt is merely a variety of belief. And I, to me, that's that's a profound statement. Doubt is merely a variety of belief. So I think... Because there are people who go when they think they have truth figured out. Yeah. Now, any doubt is a threat to your truth. But to me, doubt is what helps you own your truth more thoroughly. Because if you, if you question, if you don't question your truth, can you ever actually own it? Mm. If you, because if you don't question it, you're just accepting it verbatim, like. Well, I was told that this is true, so it's true. Mm, yeah. Well, do you really own it, or do you have you just accepted what was told to you? Uh, to me, it's like I always encourage, or encourage my daughters, ask all the questions you want.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know, your mother and I are not afraid of your questions. God certainly isn't afraid of your questions. If God's afraid of our questions, he's not a very big God, right? Yes. So... Ask away. Yeah. You know? Uh, Ask all the questions you mm. want. My only my only uh, caveat, I would say to you, is don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So, yeah, there's a ton of hypocrisy in religion and Christianity. But I think there's some truth there, too. Yeah. So we have to be careful that we don't make everything like... There is no truth. All mm. truth is equal, and I don't. I don't want to necessarily define that for you.
0: Yeah. Um, well, maybe instead of defining that, the specifics of it. What? How do you find balance in your life between, on one hand, having conviction—let's just say conviction and okay. belief—and uh-huh. it could be in anything. Yep. And on the other hand, having curiosity and open-handedness and genuine asking questions. How do you balance that?
1: I. I don't. To be honest, I don't see any problem with that. Yeah, um, you know, I was just out in Portland, uh, where we have a one of our programs is running out there, and the guy I was hanging out with is a is a Buddhist, and uh, you know, he invited somebody over for dinner one night, and we're sitting around there, and they're telling me about all these great um, teachers that they studied under, yeah, and there are some really interesting things in there. Yeah. And there were, there were true things about that. So, it's, you know, it's not that there isn't truth in other things, in other religions even, but you kind of have to look at it as a whole and go, okay, is, I, I can accept parts of this, because that, that's part of our job as curious people, right? Yeah. You know, is to ask the questions look at both sides of it and weigh it and go is this something that i want to continue exploring as potentially true or Mm -hmm. is it something i go you know i i don't think the evidence is there to support that so i think i think we do we should be doing that all the time yeah you know so i i don't i'm not afraid to read things about other religions in fact i like to it's like you know, I, I read Christopher Hitchens' book, God is Not Great. Yeah. You know? And I thought it was fascinating. Yeah. You know? So I don't hold to the beliefs that he held to. Yeah. But I probably learned some things by reading his book. So I think, I think when we become afraid to read any other things that are are, are sold as truth... Now we're uh, now we're now we're regressing again. Because because our fear
0: 100% our fear agree with is controlling that. Yes.
1: us rather than our curiosity. Yes. So I would say like when you ask what curiosity is, to me I would say it's the opposite of fear. You know, because oh fear gosh. kills so much. Yes. Uh I mean how many times did Jesus oh, oh. say fear not? Yeah. You know, that was one of his most Prevalent commands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and I, sometimes in in Christian circles now, I see a lot of fear. Yeah. So, I wonder, what's going on there?
0: Interesting.
1: Is it a fear of, if I read this, I'm going to lose my faith? Part of me goes, if you read that and lose your faith, I'm not sure how much faith did you have in the first place. Yeah. You know, if, yeah. we, if we have to protect our faith from from doubt, you know, I I don't know. To me, that's like now you're you're kind of living in a lie. Yes.
0: You, okay. To create some kind of wrap up with this, because right. I want to be respectful of your time. I could, I could talk to you. I could talk to you, <laughs> I'll tell you about this. Uh, you know. You know what? This it. I have a visual in my head when you're saying this, and I think this is what ties it all together. It all comes back to the bikes, to me. Yeah. Riding a bike, if you stop, what happens when you stop moving forward? If you stop, yeah. maybe the key is to figure out if you if you freak out about stressing about the right direction. I'm, I'm yeah. constantly, in the, no. If you're moving forward, that's the only way you can stand upright. Yep. And that was my thing. I felt like yeah. I had stayed still. And if yeah. I don't keep moving, I'm going to fall over right. and break something. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's what it comes down to is the continuing to move forward, the continuing movement, asking questions, yeah. uh, dancing with it. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, did you So you, I'm, I'm visualizing you writing this book in private. It's so funny how creating something is so polarizing where it's, such a private thing but also now it's a completely public thing right was there any fear in sharing it did you finish it was there any hesitation um no I I, well I had some fear
1: for my wife and my family because I this this is my fourth book okay so and whenever you write something it doesn't just affect me it affects my family because, mm-hmm. I mean, you would not believe. People People can be really cruel, you know. And, and I've, you know, with some of my earlier books, I did not think there was stuff that controversial in it. But people find it and go, oh, man. you know, you are so full, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know, um, so I was a little apprehensive for my family, but I'm kind of... I'm kind of at that place where, like I said, I don't, mm. I don't really care. But I did. I mean, there's there's a lot of language in this book because I made these people real. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I have edited a few things back <laughs> early on. Jesus had a few words <laughs> that that he expressed himself more fully, more colorfully, and I pulled some of that back. But I actually. I, I didn't pitch it. My first three books were all done through Christian publishers, mm. Thomas Nelson, and, yeah, yeah, you know, and stuff like that. I did not. Well, I did not want it to go there because, I, first of all, I knew they wouldn't take it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because it was going to ruffle way too many feathers.
0: Uh, and I the the squirm and twitch factor exactly. was way too way yeah, too yeah. strong.
1: Yeah, this is way beyond S and T. Um, but. But I, you know, I didn't really write it mm. for people who are sitting in pews, you know, because I, I know a lot of those people are really not going to like this book. I mean, I've already gotten some some yeah. feedback from people that, you know... How long's it been out? Uh, a little over a week. <laughs> yeah. we got a lot so, of fast
0: readers out there, yeah. Yeah,
1: so, but you know what? You're always going to get that. Yeah. And this this sounds a little bad, but... And Mary, my wife, accuses me of this. I like to stir the pot. Mm. <laughs> um, I almost feel like in some ways that's part of my, my role. Mm. you know. And I think the pot needs to be stirred because evangelicalism, I, I don't even like that word, it's become something that it, it doesn't mean anything like it should mean. So mm. it's like somebody somebody needed to call, you know, hold a mirror up to Christianity in mm. America and say, really? Is this... Look, in, look at yourself. Is this what you want to be? Yeah. So in some ways, I, <laughs> I guess in some oh. ways, I did write it for yeah. the church. But I really wrote it because the people who don't go to church who think they know who Jesus is because of what, how the church has portrayed him. I feel bad for those people mm-hmm. because I think they're missing out on something really profound. So I think they're missing out on some of that truth that I have found. And I'm going, I'm inviting you to look at this person differently. Mm-hmm. Then see what you think,
0: you know. What is the what's the greatest what's the greatest reaction someone could have? You could have a hope for someone reading this. I can tell you because it's
1: in some ways it's already happened. So there's this a friend of mine who's a strong atheist, and um, and we're we're great friends. In fact, I I ran into him one day on a bike ride, and he was coming out of his driveway, and I said, hey come ride with Mm -hmm. me. So we ended up riding and now we've been riding for a few years, but he's been going through cancer for a couple of years now. So he's just barely hanging on. Um, And after my book came out last week, there was a share from him and he said, uh, I want to introduce you to my Peloton leader. Peloton is what you call a group of cyclists. Um, I want to introduce you to my... Peloton leader who wrote a book he said, I can't remember exactly how he put it, but he said I'm really curious to read this book and I think you should too and he said, and I'm a devout atheist Mm -hmm. so to me it was like saying I always want to have relationships with people where they go Terry's not here to judge me Terry's here to speak what he, you know, what he thinks is true, but he's also going to listen to what I think is true, and we can have a discussion, and none of it's ever going to be personal. Mm-hmm. He's he's not going to think less of me because of what I believe,
0: mm.
1: you know, and that's how my friend Leon is. He's uh, we we're friends. Yeah. So to uh. me, if an you know if an atheist. Wants to, to read the book? Great. If a Buddhist wants to read it, if a evangelical wants to read it,
0: yeah. Great.
1: Here's here's some thoughts to think about. Do with it what you
0: want. Yes. Oh, is it in print? No, it's not out? right. It's, saw... it's only digital right now. Yeah, and that's really cool because it's available. It's saw... free.
1: Yeah. So I fascinating. There's a, there's a platform on the website where the whole book, three hundred and three pages, is right there. So you don't you don't even have to download it. Mm. You can scroll through. It turns the pages. It's uh, yeah. I have a forum, a discussion forum on there where uh,
0: you know you can throw questions out and yeah. discuss it with other people who are reading. You and I are so opposite in our comfort. Uh, my discomfort in. Uh, Making anybody squirm and twitch. Yeah, yeah. And and your uh, proclivity
1: to but, encourage yes. twitching.
0: Yes, and I'm so je- <laughs> I'm just so de- jealous of the confidence that comes that's in that. Own I it. Have baby. Any ans- I don't have any answers to it. I'm just yeah. so pumped.
1: You know no, that this I, happened. I would love to have you read the novel. Oh yeah. And have it's Sarah, right? Yeah. Have her read it too. Yeah. Because it sounds like she's yes kind of curious and. Yes. Uh, Oh, yeah. We, and then we should come back over here and meet and talk about it.
0: I would I love I would to, love
1: to hear your thoughts I would, and let's her thoughts let's on plan
0: on that. If you're down, yeah, around yeah. two. Uh, Joel said to me, he said, I've got, I've got the PDF. I can send it to you if you want to read it before beating with him. I said, I don't want to know anything. I want to yeah, come yeah. in completely cold. <laughs> let's, I want to, let's hear about it as if I did Because I didn't even know. Like, you're writing all these other books. It's just, this yeah, is opening yeah. a world to me that I want to check out. Yeah. This is so cool. Well, there's...
1: Yeah. It would be fun to talk about... Because uh, I wrote... One of my other books is called Surprise Me. And it's based on a spiritual experiment that I did. Where I decided for 30 days, I'm going to wake up every day and pray a three-word prayer. Surprise me, God. But nothing else. You know, not surprise me with a new Escalade or whatever. But whatever you want to bring into my day. And then I decided I'm going to keep a journal for 30 days. Write down everything that happens for 30 days... And just see what it is. So it was, it was a really interesting experiment, and like a third of the way through that, a publisher uh, found out and said, "Can we publish your journal?" What? So, so it was really an interesting thing, and it was, it was not all like, it was not all great things. Like one yeah. day, my wife, we were driving the car, and she looked at me and she goes, "You're selfish." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going) Damn, I've got to write about that in my journal now because I, I agreed
0: to do this. Yeah. So
1: one whole day is me processing the fact that I'm selfish,
0: which I am. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny.
1: So so it was just, it was a really interesting, and then I did a follow-up book that to that one that's now it was the the next book was called Be the Surprise. So it's saying once once you have been surprised in your life. Now it's your job to go out and become the surprise for the for our world. You know, which is ah, part of why yeah. you know, it's part of why I started the free bikes for kids and why free guitars for kids is coming about. It's like I have a chance to be the surprise for a whole lot of underserved mm-hmm. kids in the world. Mm-hmm. That's that's a cool thing. Yeah. You know, when Jesus said, Love your neighbor as yourself, I'm going, this is a way to tangibly love my neighbor, right? Yes. And we should all be tangibly loving, not just verbally saying...
0: In a vague, abstractly loving my neighbor. Yeah, Yeah. right. (laughs) It's like, those people are going...
1: Oh, great. Yeah. It's so nice to know you love me. Day <laughs>
0: yeah, right. made. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so fun. Okay, Joel did tell me, uh, uh, maybe there's a story, and this could be off mic, but he told me to ask you a story about, because he said the Surprise Me book, you were doing speaking engagements at a church, something involving a <laughs> oh, baptismal. Yeah. yeah. Is that able to be spoken about publicly, or is that... Oh No, mic. I know. I can talk about
1: it. Um, so there's a, my daughter, our middle daughter was going to school at Baylor University yeah. in Texas. So we were going down there to visit. Mm-hmm. And there's a church down there. It was called University Baptist Church. So it's like 2000 college students go to this church. And they asked, they said, we're going to actually introduce your book. So so for several years, I traveled around the country, and I'd speak in a different church every Sunday, introducing them to the surprise me concept. Yeah. And then the whole church would do this experiment oh, together. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a really interesting few years. So, oh, fascinating. That's so not where David Crowder yep. was. Is that? Yep. Okay, yeah. Yeah. It's, so yeah. I got to know David Crowder a little bit through that. Yeah. So... I'm going down there, and they said, we're, we're going to start the experiment mm. on the Sunday you're there. So you can come, and you can introduce it. Yeah. And I'm going, fantastic. Yep. So we're down there. It was homecoming weekend. Yeah. So literally there's a couple thousand people at this church. Yeah. And uh, the service starts, and there was, uh, it's a Baptist church, so there was one uh, young woman who uh, had gone, to Baylor and graduated, and came back for homecoming. And she had called the pastor and said, "Hey, I'm going to be there. Would you baptize me on that Sunday?" And he said, "Sure." So, um, so the service is going along, and all of a sudden, said, "Okay, we're going to do this baptism." So he goes, and they had a baptismal thing up in front, you know. Yeah. So, he goes down into the water. Do you know where this is going? I yeah. 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 And he oh. he reaches to pick up the mic to just start saying some some things about the thing he gets a a shock he drops the microphone into the water and and you're
0: there for this I'm
1: there on the morning they're introducing a concept called surprise me God and this guy and the pastor got electrocuted in front of the whole church and we sat there the ambulance came they took him away and he died Oh, you know and that was I mean speaking of I told you I, I got tons of hate mail after that because they're going what do you expect when you thumb your nose at God and say come on God surprise me let's see what you got he goes well you saw what he got I'm oh going, my gosh and, going, and they're
0: pointing that towards you right oh yeah. my gosh
1: so it was so but that was oh. that was a tough moment for me you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was a, uh, I, was, I was surprised. Yeah. Oh, man. So I, oh, I mean, I, I had can't. a lot of questions for God
1: after oh, that. Oh, my gosh. Which I don't really have answers for yet. And then the next day, uh, they had me speak at the chapel at, at Baylor University. Because, you know, so many of their students were going to yeah. that church. So that was one of the hardest speaking engagements I've ever had. What? But then they invited me actually to come down and speak on the one-year anniversary at that church. That was a difficult moment to process for me.
0: All right, let's end it with this. What I've learned in my journey recently is that doing something in life that takes getting past fear or something courageous or something important to you isn't about being completely fearless, I've learned that it's about believing in something more than that something that weighs more than the fear weighs on you. That's a great way to put it. So I'm thinking of you. If if, so, if that's a universal truth that I hold to, I'm thinking of you having gone through all this stuff where it's been tough. Something you put something out there that's given. uh, It's been controversial. Let's say. Right. What is it about this book and this project that is so important to you? That you're willing to step back out into that and put it out into the universe. I think it's
1: because, like I said, the the picture of Jesus in our culture is so wrong. It's so misguided that it, it drives me insane. And whether whether people believe in who Jesus was or not is is not even the only thing here it's that the the picture that they're getting is so wrong and and they're tying that to to everybody who holds this belief and i'm just going that's not that's not it and i think as long as you if if we all believe the the misguided interpretations of what is true we're never going to get closer to truth so we've we've got to start calling out the things that are false <laughs> you know and saying look this is not right and yeah there are a lot of people who have power religious power who say this is right but it's not read read the freaking Bible, read the Gospels and go, can you see any place in there where Jesus said anything close to that? And I'm going, I don't see it. So I'm, I'm not going to sit by and just let that happen. I'm going to say, look, and that, that's why I, I put it in today's culture because I go, I want to help people see in a different way who this guy was. Because I actually believe in this guy. I believe that he was who he said he was and that he did what he said he did. And that has, that's been kind of a foundation for my life. I'm like you, where I go, I, can't, I struggle with this worship music scene and the vibe and I struggle with this and I struggle with that. but. Like I told my daughters, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater,
0: you know? Hey guys, this is Rob with just a quick note before you head off into your week. I just wanted to say a huge thank you, a massive thank you to any of you that have rated, commented, or subscribed to this podcast on iTunes. Also, thank you to those of you that have reached out to me and shared your stories of how these interviews or some of these conversations have impacted you, have inspired you. Man, that has been so awesome to hear. If you have a story you'd like to share with me, head over to thecuriouspod.com slash contact, and I'd love to hear your stories or any just questions you may have for me. Hey, while you're over there, if you want to check out show notes For this or any of the other interviews I've done. Or contact info for this guest or any of the others. Head over to thecuriouspod.com for any of that. And also, I'm really pumped about this. We have a map right there on the front of the website that shows all the locations that these interviews and conversations have taken place. It's pretty cool. You can click on it. You can see where these have done. If you want to go visit them, if you've heard something you like and you want to go check it out for yourself, that's right there. Or you can just check it out at thecuriouspod.com/map, or just right there on the front of the website. I'll show. I'll show. Also, if you want to reach out to me on social media or follow me anywhere, pretty much everything online is the Rob Morgan at the Rob Morgan. Whatever you you you, you know the drill. All right. Enough of that nonsense. All this podcasting has made me thirsty. You know, (laughs) I am so pumped that I do not have to deal with sponsors for this podcast, or else I'd have to tell you, podcasting makes me thirsty, and nothing quenches a podcast thirst, whether you're listening, uh, interviewing, editing, recording, listening to something unrelated to a podcast. Nothing quenches a thirst like a Guinness. Hey, Hofi, can I steal you for a second? Do you have anything you want to say about Guinness? I'd like to take a minute to thank Guinness because it truly is made of more. That's all. All right, that's it, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that crap. All right, have a great week. See you next Tuesday. Anything else? Thanks for being here. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. Say the most random thing you can think of. No. Yell it. I got nothing. The only word I can think of is formaldehyde. <laughs> Perfect.